0: My name is Nick Boyle, and I'm an academic associate at the Chartered Banker Institute, the world's oldest professional banking institute. I'm also a director at Storm7 Coaching. I'll be your host for our new series of podcasts titled the Leadership for All series. This series will explore how everyone at any level can adopt key aspects of leadership within their roles. Every month, a new topic will be explored, delving into key subjects within the banking sector, with insight from a whole range of experts. We encourage you to visit our website to view and watch the other resources in this series after listening to this podcast. These resources will include a monthly blog, podcast and webcast, where we will focus on understanding the concept discussed, expert views, and also how we can bring this alive at all levels. I hope you enjoy this series. And I'm delighted to be joined by our guest, Giles Cuthbert, Managing Director of the Chartered Banker Institute. Hi, Giles. Hi, Nick. I'm really looking forward to to hearing your views, Giles, on ethical decision making and and how this relates to aspects of leadership. This is a topic that uh, I, I know you've studied a lot and have a real passion for.
1: Yes, um, I've studied it uh, really through the the length of my career. I uh, took a master's in education, which looked a lot at moral development in professionals, uh, and then a master's in uh, professional ethics, which again uh, looked at how we come to make decisions. And I'm currently Mm -hmm. studying for my PhD, um, looking at, again, moral decision making, but particularly with an emphasis on digitalization. Um, it's a fascinating area and one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it is because in, a- in all actuality we know very little about it. Uh, there's a lot of opinions, a lot of thoughts, a lot of theories, um, but we haven't actually a terribly clear idea on how people really come to make the right decision or the wrong decision.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Giles. That's, it's a great uh, subject to, to talk through, and uh, on one that I've sort of started studying myself through uh, the Chartered Banker, having done the Chartered Banker programme. Um, how can all staff in the banks get better at seeing the ethical dilemmas ahead of them?
1: I think that's a really good question to ask. And the reason it's good is because a huge amount of the time, people fail to see the ethical dilemma. So we don't necessarily have people making bad decisions or being unethical. All too often we find that people don't identify the ethical dilemma in the first place. Now, there's been a lot of research in this area and really the first stage of ethical decision-making is what's called having that ethical sensitivity to an ethical dilemma. And there's a whole lot of factors which influence that, that have been studied quite closely. One of them, interestingly, is expertise. If you really know your subject inside out, you're far more likely to spot a dilemma. Now, if we're wondering why. Of course, it's because so much of the time unless you really know your subject inside out you won't actually know that someone's doing something wrong so you simply won't spot it but in addition to that an ethical culture within an organization causes people to think more about ethics and there's also studies which have shown that cultures which have codes of conduct for example have this impact on people where they start thinking about ethics a lot more, and they think, what would the code say? So there's a lot of research showing ways in which we can get better at seeing ethical dilemmas. So education, for example, helps us. Um, Discussing ethical dilemmas and difficult ethical situations helps us. We also um, know that, therefore, that people who are just given good peer examples will help, the, they'll be helped to spot ethical dilemmas. And indeed, peer pressure and peer influence is one of the very biggest things in an organization that affects how people make decisions. So, there's a lot of factors in there about what makes people ethically sensitive and it's a really key feature of how we think about ethics is what's going to happen to allow people to get better at noticing an ethical dilemma and as I say there are some of the things there there's, there's education there's peer groups there's codes of conduct belonging to a professional body and also having a good culture so there's quite a lot that can be done which can help people behave more ethically, simply because they notice the dilemma and then that allows them to go through the process of making the right decision.
0: And I I love that point about um, the knowledge part, because we do have a lot of very experienced people in the banks across the world um, that might not be in leadership roles, but they can certainly fully understand and see the ethical dilemmas ahead of them because of their experience and their knowledge.
1: Absolutely.
0: All the experience
1: we have helps us build up a picture of um, where things can go right, where things can go wrong, what to look out for, and it builds that whole ethical expertise and ethical sensitivity that's so vital to making the correct decisions. And education, of course, and professional education is a core part of that because it allows you to see where things are going wrong or what might be a sensitive, difficult set of circumstances. Someone who's never seen a vulnerable customer before doesn't necessarily know how to react. to a a certain situation. Individuals who have seen vulnerable customers and have experienced dealing with vulnerable situations are far better placed often to deal with those uh, situations. So there's there's an awful lot of evidence which points to expertise and experience really helping us to identify ethically challenging decisions and that then allows us to go through the process of taking the ethical decision because of course if you don't notice the problem you won't go into that whole process of good ethical decision making because you haven't been sensitized to the ethical problem
0: that's a great um, a great point Charles. to to link into the next uh, part i was going to ask you which is so what are the factors then that stop people from making ethical decisions?
1: Well, just as I mentioned before, peer pressure works both ways, and peer pressure can stop people from making the right decisions. Likewise, the wrong sort of culture can also encourage people to make the wrong decisions. I think what's interesting is there's a Philosopher John Dewey makes the really good point that when you're looking at a difficult ethical decision, it needs to be something that has two sides to it. But what he points out is an awful lot of ethical decisions, such as, shall I steal this money? It's not difficult, it's an easy ethical decision. The question is, do you have the will to carry through with the right decision there? And that's where ethical will becomes really important. That's what's called the third stage of ethical decision-making in the the sort of classic models. You get your sensitivity, you get your analysis stage, and then you get your sort of the influences and impacts on you from peer pressure and culture, and then you make the decision. Um, And at that last stage of making the decision is really about, do you have the will, the moral courage, to go through and do the right thing because when you think of all the times you've maybe been ethically challenged um most of the time it's probably not that difficult uh, a discussion with yourself to work out what's right and what's wrong what can be difficult is if all your colleagues are saying well we disagree the culture of the organization is no actually we need to do things quickly and one of the really significant intensifiers of bad ethical decision maker making is people having to move too quickly in their thinking. Uh, there's been a lot of studies around this, and where people are less pressured and they've got more time to think, they tend to make the right decisions. So people often rush into bad decisions when they when they're pushed or pressured. So in a funny sort of way, all those things I talked about earlier that can make you take better decisions can equally be things which push you towards making less good decisions. And anything which is sort of a a negative influence on your life, be that mood or whatever else, these can all interfere, so the research says, in good ethical decision making.
0: Yeah, and one of the things I continually um, come across when I'm speaking to people about uh, ethical decision making. In fact, it just um, somebody I was speaking to today about it, and it's often we look at the problem from our own perspective and we think, well, culturally, what would the organisation do? Actually, what would be the best thing for me to do? Um, and I, I just challenge sometimes to think about it from a customer perspective as well. How would they perceive our ethical decision? Uh, on our on our dilemma, uh, and and what would their dis- their view on it be, and then therefore how does that help us make the right decision going forward?
1: Yes, um, I think really we could argue there that you're applying the golden rule that you should uh, do to others as you would want to have done to yourself, which is a rule that goes right back to Plato and uh, and and beyond. Um, but I think uh, the the key point you're making there is actually understanding different people's perspective and uh, understanding their position. That's one of the really big impacts as well on good emotional good uh, ethical decision making is where people have that emotional intelligence, understand how other individuals are feeling and thinking and taking the perspective of that individual, it's always a really hard balance. Um, And again, this comes in in difficult, challenging um, uh, ethical situations where we often don't know what the ethical issue may be, we may think we see it. So we're a bit sensitized. We've we've got an inkling there's something going on, but we don't necessarily see enough of the picture. So the more we can gather information, the more likely we are to make the best decision. And that will often be about speaking to the customer and understanding where they're coming from and how they perceive this situation. Um, and it's difficult, uh, it's not easy. Uh, we're all imbued with views, opinions, um, biases, and we've got to find ways that we can see the world a bit more broadly uh, to help us uh, understand others more. Um, and none of us will ever be an expert at that, but it is something we can at least work towards.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And- And kind of final question for for me, uh, Giles, is what what role does intuition play in that ethical decision-making? Intuition
1: has a fascinating role. What we know from research is that people typically have an immediate intuitive response to an ethical decision. And then there's two schools of thought of what happens next. One school of thought thinks that we have the initial response and it uh, tells us whether we think this is good or bad. And we then go through a process of thinking about it a bit more, being influenced by our peers and culture. And then we come out with our, with our decision at the end of that process the contrary school, which comes from the world of moral psychology, is that we have an intuition and we actually follow that intuition and stick to what we have intuitively thought is position without any debate, without any further consideration. But we do what's called post facto rationalization, which means we justify to ourselves what we think is uh, the right thing to do or that we've done the right thing, when actually all we've done is we've followed our intuition, but we like to make ourselves feel that actually we've thought it through, we've considered it. Now, my personal view is there's not been enough research on this because there's not been enough comparative study about people making good decisions as opposed to people making bad decisions for example, and uh, this means we don't really know how effective these intuitions are. The one thing we do know about intuitions and research and intuitions is the more expert someone is, the more likely their intuitions are to be sound and reliable. We know that in other areas such as science and scientific discovery, and one of the questions in current research is can you apply that across to moral decision-making as well. We don't actually know the answer. But if you think about that concept of post facto rationalizing and justifying to yourself that you did the right thing, there's another bit of psychology I'll push in here too, which is that every time you remember something, you replace what actually happened with that most recent memory. So you're constantly changing your memories every time you think back. So we get quite far removed from the reality of what happened in a situation. And this is why you can see different people having very different views of what happened, because someone's remembered it many, many times and thought about it again and again, and they've replaced the actuality of what happened with these more recent memories. Now, the reason I raise that is because... If you think about that in the terms of say post-factor rationalization of ethical decision making or more generally about how people think to an ethical past and how that may affect their decisions of the present if our memories and experiences is that unreliable what does that do to our ethical decision making and i'll just leave that open as a question <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, uh, and, a, and a very good question for us to, to close on, because I think it's a really great um, opportunity for people to go away having listened to the podcast and think about the, the key, key questions we've asked and think about how they, uh, the part that they play within that. And uh, as the series goes on, uh, we've got the blog and obviously we've got the uh, webcast to come out. On this subject, and uh, we'll be able to go into it in a little bit more detail. So, uh, firstly, I'm going to say thank you very much, Giles, for joining us and sharing your fantastic insight and knowledge on the subject of ethical decision making.
1: Thank you, Nick. Uh,
0: And thank you to all of our our listeners. I I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode and the wider Leadership for All uh, series, which is a collaboration between the Chartered Banker Institute and Storm 7 Coaching. Uh, Thank you, and we'll catch you up the next time.